Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. When it comes to the kings of comedy, let me tell y'all who I think are the original kings of comedy, in my opinion, right? Now, you got Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Bill Cosby, and the one and only Red Fox. Red Fox, John Elroy Sanford. You know, Sanford and Son was the first black sitcom to hit national TV since Amos and Andy. And look, that's another show my grandparents was always watching, Sanford and Son. Everybody knows that theme song as soon as it come on. Quincy Jones, who worked with Red since the 1940s during their Apollo days said, when he made the Sanford and Son theme song, he made it to fit Red's personality because he knew him. And he never thought somebody would give Red Fox his own show because of his X-rated comedy style. Red Fox recorded over 55 albums that sold millions. He won a Golden Globe Award. Let's get into the story, man, because the story, I don't want to be too long with it. Now, Red Fox, whose real name is John Elroy Sanford, was born on December 9th, 1922 in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Red, see, he was born with red wavy hair because his grandmother was a full-blooded Native American Indian. Now, by the age of four years old, his father, named Fred Glenn Sanford, he left his mother, Mary Sanford, him and his older brother, who also was named Fred G. Sanford Jr. That's where the name Fred G. Sanford come from the show Sanford and Son. Now, after their father left the family, his mother, Mary, started dating a mobster who worked as a bodyguard for one of the most notorious gangsters in the world at the time, named Al Capone. And she ended up moving to Chicago, but left Red and his brother with their grandmother. And Red really resented his mother for leaving him and his brother. He was he was real hurt by that. Now living with their grandmother, they was dirt poor. And his older brother, Fred, was always getting into trouble. He stayed in and out of jail a lot. And But Red looked up to him, though. He was his idol. But see, Red... Even going to an all-black school, people used to pick on him because of his light complexion and his red hair. And to protect himself, he would joke back on him. You know, Fred, he, he put them jokes right back on them kids in class. And he became a class clown. To be honest, he actually used to see his brother Fred getting all the attention for doing funny stuff. And, and guess who else was in the class with him? LaWanda Page, better known as Aunt Esther on Sanford and Son. That's how far they go back. They go way back. But you know, eventually, Red ended up getting kicked out of school for throwing a book at a teacher. 
He was only in the fifth grade. Now, after that, Red, now 10 years old, and his brother Fred, now 14 years old, used to just hit the streets after being kicked out of school. But see, his grandmother was getting too old at the time to look after him. So she sent him to Chicago with his mother. Now in Chicago, he ended up dropping out of school in the eighth grade and would just hang out on the corners with his friends, joining the 58th Street gang. And while hanging out on the corners, they used to play the game called the Dozens. Like, they just joking on each other back and forth. And they say Red was real good at it. They said sometimes he almost had to fight a lot because he was joking on people so hard. Now, by the time he turned 14 years old, him and his friends formed a band calling themselves the Bonbons. And they would play on the corners trying to earn money. Red used to play the washtub bass and he was one of the singers of the group. Now, after tired of playing on the corners and not making enough money, Red and his band wanted to go to New York to try to make it big, so they decided to train hop and ended up on a train which was carrying onions. And for three days, they ate onions. And once the train got to New Jersey, that's when it was time to get off, but the railroad security ended up catching his friends but Red, he managed to get away and he jumped on a ferry and went to New York. Now in Harlem, New York, Red was trying to find his way and survive. And 30 days later, his friends that was caught by the railroad police for train hopping, um, they ended up getting out of jail and they joined them in Harlem. And they ended up putting the band back together to try to make some money. But in 1942, Red and his bandmates was drafted for World War II after the Pearl Harbor attack. <laughs> but guess what Red did to avoid the military? He ate a he ate a bar of soap. <laughs> Red said he ate a bar of soap which made his heart beat fast. And that's when the doctors told him he wasn't fit to go to war. <laughs> Red, Red was crazy, man. Now, after that, now with no ban, he had to come up with another plan to make money. But whatever he decided to do, it had to be something in show business. Now homeless, he ended up getting a job as a dancer and a comedian at a club, but it still wasn't enough money to get a place of his own. So he would sleep on the top of the buildings, on the rooftop, and use newspapers as blankets. But see, the good thing about working that job was all the customers loved him because of his red hair and complexion and... They used to call him Fox or Foxy because of the way he would dress, even though he was broke. And he liked the attention and started calling himself Red Fox because it looked more attractive to the eye. But he was struggling though, man. And it got to the point where he started doing petty crimes just to eat, like stealing food, leaving restaurants without paying, which led to him going in and out of jail. And... He also, he also dabbled and dabbled in drugs like weed and cocaine, but he never messed with the heroin like that because he said he seen two guys die from an overdose. Now, later on, he ended up getting another job as a busboy and a dishwasher at Jimmy's Chicken Shack restaurant. And at that restaurant, during that time, he met a guy named Malcolm Little, who the world may know as Malcolm X. And while working together at the restaurant, 
they became real close like brothers because they both had red hair and they had light complexion. They was together so much that people thought they were brothers and gave them the nickname Chicago Red and Detroit Red. And look, both of them was off the chain. Robbing, stealing, hustling, selling weed, committing all types of crimes. But later on, they ended up going their separate ways because Red still wanted to be in the show business and Malcolm was just too deep in the streets at the time. And y'all know what happened to Malcolm after that. He went to prison and converted to Islam and so on. Now, after that, Red got back to trying to make it in the show business and ended up becoming a recording artist for a record label called Savoy Records. And also during that time, he ended up getting married to a woman named Evelyn Killebrew, right? Now check out how Red and Evelyn met. One night, a guy he knew wanted to buy some bootleg liquor from Red, so he came over to his spot with Evelyn. But the guy planned was to rape her, and Red kicked him out and protected her. And five days later, Red and Evelyn got married. <laughs> wow. Now, also around that time, he met legendary comedian Slappy White, and they ended up joining forces, forming the comedy duo called Fox and White. Now, see, when they got together, they both had the same dream of being a star. And at the time, Slappy White, he was married to legendary singer and actress Pearl Bailey. But she wasn't that famous yet during that time when he was with her. But you know, to pursue his dreams, at that time he had to let her go. And Red, he divorced his wife Evelyn also after seven years. Now a comedy duo, they was a big hit with the black and the white crowds. But see, the only thing with the white crowds during that time was they wanted them to wear the black face with white lips in which Red refused to do that. Look, Red, they say Red would come on stage like a regular person. He wasn't having that. He was one of the first comedians to do that. Now with a buzz in the city, the comedy act caught the attention of legendary jazz singer Dinah Washington, who wanted to take Red and Slappy on tour with her to be the opening act in California. And the deal was she would pay them $1,000, which was an offer they couldn't even refuse because it was broke during the time. Now in California, things didn't go as they expected because they thought going to the West Coast wouldn't be that racist like the Chitlin Circuit shows in the South they was doing. But they was wrong. It was worse over there. Plus, after one month, Red and his partner Slappy started bumping heads and ended up splitting up over some money that Slappy owed them. Now, some of Red's friends say they did split up over money and some of his friends say it was over a girl that they both was interested in. Hmm. But anyway, they split up and Slappy went back to the East Coast with Dinah Washington on tour. But Red stayed in Cali and said he'd rather be homeless in sunny California than cold back in New York. Now a solo act was still homeless he had to figure something out to survive, so he got a job as a dishwasher again at a popular jazz club where a lot of stars would visit like Joe Lewis, Ella Fitzgerald, and Billie Holiday. Red, Red say 
He always liked to get jobs at a restaurant. That way he can eat. <laughs> Red's crazy, man. And see, look, by Red just being naturally funny, making the club staff laugh all the time, the owners of the club, they decided to make him the host of the club. And from there, he just became popular and started getting booked for all the black shows and the strip clubs because his comedy style was nasty and street and the people loved it. And when people asked him about his name, he told him he added the X to the Fox because his style was X-rated and added another D to the Red to smooth it out. Now, as his fame grew, Red was working nonstop, sometimes six days a week. And he caught the attention of a guy named Dutsy Williams, who had a record label called Dudo Records. And he wanted to sell Red's material worldwide. Now, Dutsy Williams, he became popular because he had signed the doo-wop group, The Penguins, who had that number one smash hit song, uh, Earth Angel. And at the time, Red, he was broke, man. And you won't believe this. Look, Dutsy paid Red $25 to record his shows and put them on records because at the time, Red didn't think nobody would buy his comedy act without actually seeing him perform. And when Dutsy put the comedy albums out, they was an instant hit. Everybody was loving the raw X-rated street comedy he was doing. And most of the top comedians today were all inspired by his records. Plus, you know, Red looked at Dutsy like a black man trying to do his thing and he wanted to help him. And over the next two years, he recorded over 40 albums selling millions worldwide. That's crazy, man. And the people, they love those comedy albums, man. That's when they gave Red the title, King of the Party Records. But here's the bad part, though. You know how I go in the industry, the music industry. He, he really didn't make the money he should have made, the money he should have got from those records. And he tried to sue Dootsie Williams, but he lost the case and was stuck in a contract after the judge awarded Dootsie the rights to the albums. Now, also around that time, he met his future wife named Betty Jean, who used to sing and dance with his childhood friend, LaWanda Page, in that same club. The same club where Red was performing, that's where he met her at. Even though he was stuck in the contract with Dootsie Williams, his name was buzzing from the comedy albums though. So Red decided to go to Las Vegas instead of going back to the Chitlin circuit because he felt in Vegas it was a higher pay and if he connect with the right people, his career could really take off. But see, once he got to Vegas, it was still hard to find work because of the racism. Even though stars like Louis Armstrong and Dorothy Dandridge could perform in Vegas, but they still had to stay in the worst hotels for blacks. They say one time, Dorothy Dandridge was at a white hotel, right? And she stuck her feet in the pool water and the owner of the hotel drained the whole pool. Wow, it was really racist back then, man. But see, Nat King Cole was the first black person to stay in a Las Vegas white hotel in 1955. Man, y'all wait until I do that Nat King Cole story. That's going to be a real history lesson for y'all. Look, even 
Sammy Davis Jr. had to stay in an all-black motel during that time. And him and Red, they was real good friends during that time. But anyway, in 1960, Red was cast as an extra in his first movie called All the Fine Young Cannibals with Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood. After that, Red continued to get bigger as a stand-up comic in Las Vegas. And one night, he ended up meeting Frank Sinatra, who saw him perform and wanted to sign him to his label called Loma Records. Now, Red told Frank, though, he couldn't sign with him because he was stuck in a contract with Dutsy Williams. But Frank Sinatra told Red, don't even worry about it, man. He will take care of it. And a few days later, Red was out of his contract. <laughs> Red said he don't know how he did it, but he didn't even ask no questions. And said some things are just best left alone. And y'all already know what happened. You know Frank Sinatra had the mafia behind him, man. He was getting things done back then. Now, after signing with Frank Sinatra, after he bought his contract from Dootsie Williams, Red sold millions of comedy albums, especially to the white people, which made him ready to cross over and make a lot more money. That's when Frank Sinatra started getting him a lot of gigs in Las Vegas, and Red took the city by storm, man, performing in front of large white crowds doing stand-up with the help of Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., now successful, Red wanted to open up his own club in California, and he named it the Red Fox Club, but to the people, they called it Red's Place. And that's where a lot of legendary comedians got their start, like Richard Pryor, Flip Wilson, and Bill Cosby. And all the famous musicians used to be there. They say that club was wild, man. A lot of fights shootouts drugs and everything but then bill cosby and red became partners of the club but they started bumping heads after bill cosby raised the door mission and he started changing pictures on the wall and and bill didn't like how the money kept disappearing either plus bill saw how all the bills won't just won't getting paid so they stopped doing business together Later on, the club ended up burning down anyway after somebody left a cigarette that somehow caught the couch on fire. Hmm. But you know, at that time, man, Red had bigger dreams. His popularity was getting so big, he started getting offers for movie roles. And that's when he landed a role in the movie Cotton Comes to Harlem. Now, even though the role he had was small, Producer Norman Lear, who y'all probably know from producing the shows All in the Family, Good Times, The, the Jeffersons, etc. He saw the movie and thought Red was great and wanted him for a new show they was putting together called Sanford and Son, which was the American version of a British show called Steptoe and Son. And after auditioning with Damon Wilson, who played Lamont Sanford, Norman Lear settled for them to be the main characters. Plus, you know, Red got them to use his brother's name, Fred G. Sanford, as a dedication. And on January 14, 1972, Sanford and Son debuted on NBC and was a hit, coming in at number two behind All in the Family. 
They say the ratings were higher than the Baseball World Series that year. And and look, Red, see, think about Red. Red got all of his friends' jobs on the show, like LaWanda Page, who played Aunt Esther. And what's crazy about her role is the producers didn't want her at first because she wasn't a seasoned actress. But Red demanded she be on the show, and he helped him with her lines. And... Look, man, I used to love seeing Aunt Esther and Woodrow come on the show. <laughs> Woodrow, he used to always try to drink up Fred's uh, Ripple. Other people on the show, Pat Morita, who y'all probably know from the movie The Karate Kid, as Mr. Miyagi, he played Achu on The Sanford Son. Bubba, Grady, and a whole bunch of them, man. They was all red friends from back in the day doing the chitlin' circuit. And Fred was just putting them on. He was a loyal guy like that. Now, by this time, the money was rolling in and Red was making like $20,000 an episode and used to like his money in cash. <laughs> and he was spending money like crazy too. And he loved to gamble. Now, the success of the show surprised everybody. And that's when Red found out that a lot of people on staff was making more than him. And in his mind, he thought the only reason... They was making more than him was because he was black and Red was the type to fight for black actors in Hollywood because they used to treat them with no respect back then. Because see, Red, he was about his money because he knew that they was trying to sell the show Sanford and Son to Columbia for millions. And that's why he asked Norman Lear for 25% of the company. So when the show gets syndicated, he would make money for the rest of his life. And his family would be taken care of when he's gone. Now angry with the producers, Red will pull all types of stunts like cursing people out, not showing up for work, saying he was sick and everything. And money wasn't the only problem he had with the producers on the show. It was the white writers that wanted them to act like coons. And Red and Damon Wilson fought for black actors not to make a fool of themselves like Jimmy Walker did on Good Times. That's why James Amos, who played James Evans, was fired because he stood up to the producers on the show for making J.J. act like that. Now, also around that time, Red and his wife, Betty Jean, was at odds because of his mental and physical abuse to her. And he was also cheating with other women. And during that time, they say he fell in love with a bunch of Asian women, which was his type at the time. And that's when him and his wife, Betty Jean, you know, she had had enough. And she filed for divorce after 19 years of marriage. After that, it just seemed like Red's life was going down. And he was having problem after problem. And finally, you know, Norman Lear had had enough of Red's behavior because he wasn't showing up for work. And Damon Wilson was on his side also and refused to work until they got a higher paid salary. So Norman Lear and the company ended up suing Red and Demond for like $10 million for not fulfilling their contract. But see, Red, he had to go back to them because his money was getting low and he couldn't work nowhere else because of the contract. You know, in the contract it had, he couldn't work nowhere else. So. Him and Norman Lear, they worked out an agreement and they dropped the lawsuit. And 
he did like two more years of Sanford and Son, but he was still angry with producers. Plus, his marriage at the time was over and Red was just done with everything. So frustrated, he just pulled the plug on the show. He just pulled the plug right on the show. But see, right after that, that's when Red announced that he will be hosting a new show called The Red Fox Comedy Hour with the network ABC, which was NBC's rival at the time. And they will be paying him $100,000 a week. And he would be the first black executive producer of a network series. But after only six weeks on air, the show got canceled. After that, his problems got worse. And in 1983, he had to file for bankruptcy, but he didn't let that stop him, though. So he went back to Las Vegas and would do more shows. Now trying to get back on his feet, he was trying to make a comeback in Hollywood. And in 1989, he starred in the movie Harlem Nights with Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, earning over $500,000 for that role. But see, here's the thing. Red never paid his taxes ever. They say he would file them, but he would never send the money in. And that same year, in 1989, the IRS hit him with another tax lien for close to a million dollars from 1983 to 1986. And they took everything. Cars, furniture, jewelry, even the jewelry he had on at the time and the money in his pocket. The only thing they left was his bed. That's crazy, man. They ended up taking the house too, but they told him he can stay there until the house was sold. And the crazy part is, they had it live on TV. Red Fox was crying in there, man. That was so sad, man. Live on TV, man, when he was taking everything. That's, You know, afterwards, Red said it was all racism. Now, John Witherspoon, rest in peace, John Witherspoon, he was good friends with Red, too. Now, he said in the interview that that happened before the Red, back in the day. And he said Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis helped him out by performing in his club for two weeks. And once Red got the money up, he said Red still didn't pay his taxes. Red Fox was wild, man. But you know, Eddie Murphy looked out for him though. He got him the $500,000 role in the movie Harlem Nights. And he actually created and wrote the show called The Royal Family, which at first was going to be called Chess Pains. And he wrote it just for Red Fox and Della Reese because when they was on the set on the movie Harlem Nights, they was always joking on each other back and forth and their chemistry was so good together. And the show, The Royal Family, I loved the show. That was a good show, man, The Royal Family. I want to say that that was Lorenz Tate and Naya Rivera acting debut on TV, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that show, The Royal Family, it debuted at number one on September 18th, 1991 on CBS. And Red was on his way to a comeback. But... On October 11th, 1991, Red Fox died 
after having a heart attack on the set of the show, The Royal Family. Now, the story goes, see, Red was already having problems with some of the white producers of the show who was trying to tell him what to do and how to be funny, and that rubbed him the wrong way. Now, according to Della Reese, who was there that day, she said Red was doing an interview with the TV show Entertainment Tonight on the set, and one of the producers demanded Red to finish a scene which only required him walking across the back of Della Reese's chair in which they could have got anybody to do that little scene. So this is what the producer does to get Red mad, right? He storms in the middle of Red's interview with Entertainment Tonight, stops the cameras from shooting and everything and tells Red to do the scene. So when Red realizes they stopped his interview for this little scene, he lost it. He flipped out, he lost it, but by him being so angry, he falls to the floor and everybody thought he was joking because he always clowning around. But Della Reese said when she leaned down and put her hands on him, that's when Red told her to get his wife. And that's when she told somebody to call the paramedics. Now, originally he was pronounced dead on the scene but they was able to bring him back to life. But then four hours later, he was pronounced dead again from a fatal heart attack. Sad, man. And you know, after his death, man, there was a big mess over his estate between his widow, his family, and his public administrator. You know, they say Red owed more than $3.6 million in taxes when he died. And you know what else is sad? They say Red was so broke, Eddie Murphy had to pay for the funeral, you know? It's a shame, man. And look, y'all remember that show, Current Affair? You know, one time on Current Affair, they had a guy, they had the guy who bought Red Fox's house after he lost it to the IRS. And look, they had to do a seance with a psychic because he said, Red's ghostly spirit was still in the house and he ended up selling the house because he said a door had opened up by itself and the lights would turn off and on by themselves, the blinds be moving and the neighbor who knew Red when he died and he knew Red since he lived in that house, he said Red loved and adored the house because all the stars used to come there. He built it back in 1969. So that was Red doing all that. That was the ghostly spirit of Red. And <laughs> Red Fox, man, that's crazy. And make sure y'all go buy all of Red Fox's comedy albums, man. I think he got like 55 albums out. That's crazy, man. And make sure y'all check out Damon Wilson, too, man. And go buy his books. He got a book called The um, Second Banana, where he's breaking down the story behind the Sanford and Son. A whole bunch of stuff went down on that show, man. And you know, Damon Wilson, let me tell you, man, y'all might call him a conspiracy theorist, but he was there. He was in the industry, and he was talking some crazy stuff about Hollywood, man. Y'all check out a couple of his interviews, Damon Wilson, who played Lamont Sanford on the show. And you know what? I also remember back in 2015, they said that, uh, 
comedian Tracy Morgan was supposed to portray Red Fox in the Richard Pryor biopic with comedian Mike Epps. So I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if they're still doing the movie or what. Man, I left out. Look, I left out so much info because I wanted to make this video kind of short, not too long. So I hope it's not too long. But you know, he was 68 years old. Rest in peace. One of the greatest comedians of all time. The original king of comedy. Red Fox.